Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right, my friends. You've tuned in to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. And thoughts, questions, feedback, opinions, adoration, and praise will be accepted at that email address. You know, we have a lot of issues that vie for our attention each and every day on this program each and every day, just in life in general. And we have issues that range from cultural issues, which in today's world always find their way to um, politics. I mean, that's one of the problems that we have in in politics is that, well, politics is always downstream of worldview. Worldview is, well, culture then is downstream of worldview and then politics but a lot of these things that come from very substantial differences of worldview uh, and, and cult- cultural, I guess, preferences and beliefs and so forth, those things fuel politics. We have issues. So we have those. We have the, the regular issues. By the way, first quarter of 2022, the economy contracted 1.4%. 1.4%. That is, I should say, that is the first time there's been a contraction in the economy since since the second quarter of 2020, which of course is when we, well, had the world shut down um, after with with COVID. I want to share though. Where's it? Let me get the headline from. So I got the headline yesterday, New York Times. I get this email with the headline in it, and it says this. Breaking news. I Just listen listen to how they frame this. This struck me, and this is not, I don't want to set on this. I just, this came up when I was talking about just the, the variety of issues that we have to walk through and stay on top of and be aware of. It's easy. It's easy to get lulled into one narrative when there's other issues sometimes that we don't pay a lot of attention to. And I think, I think sometimes we, have heard about these problems so much that we sometimes just, um, it's just easy. It's easy to not realize or forget or whatever just how important some of these other issues are. But it's it's everywhere. It is, we are overwhelmed from all, it is, it is all out ideological warfare being waged in this country today. Metaphorical, of course, but it's still a re- real war. It's a war of ideologies, a war, a war of worldviews. But I just, I just think this is worth noting as we're talking about the Biden's economy, which is contracting, shrinking, if you will. Um, how the New York Times, how the New York Times defines this, or how they decide to talk about this, and I want to compare and contrast this just really briefly before I get to what I want to start off here today, but. 
when Republicans are in office, I, you know, some people haven't followed this. We have younger people who haven't, you know, just are maybe learning about how some of this game is played. Some folks, um, you know, it's easy to forget this too, especially when there's been time between the current administration and previous administrations. But when Republicans are in office, the media is in constant fear. Oh, man, we may be headed into a recession. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen down the road? Oh, boy, maybe some bad economic news. Even when it's good, the headlines will be stuff like economy grew second quarter. But will the growth continue? Economists are concerned. Experts are concerned. And there's always that negative pressure. When Democrats are in office, you get headlines like this. Breaking news. This, again, was from yesterday morning when the New York Times, this is in the New York Times, but when they had to announce that Biden's economy shrank at a 1.4% rate in the first quarter. 1.4%. Breaking news. The U.S. economy shrank in the first quarter. That could just be the headline, right? But no, there's a comma. And the comma, after the comma, follows this. But the numbers may mask the recovery's resilience. So even when it's bad news, it's good news for Biden. But the, the problem is, is that for them, this nonsense and the way the game is played has, it's caught up with them. It is, it is so bad for the average person today that no one, no one is, well, I shouldn't say no one, no one with any critical thinking skills is tricked into believing that a 1.4% contraction of the U.S. economy, shrinking of the U.S. economy in the first quarter alone somehow constitutes some sort of resiliency in the U.S. economy. Well, I would say the economy is resilient enough to minimize the real effects that the left's policies would have if capitalism and free markets were not so not so strong but nonetheless this is what happens when the radical left is in charge and their policies are being pushed down the throats of the american people but i don't that was i just i wanted to touch on that quickly but i i want to start today with something that happened on wednesday and that was Secretary Mayorkas uh, and his being questioned before a Senate committee regarding the border, right? This is another issue. This is another issue that we all, uh, folks, th- those of us who have followed this uh, politics for some time, this has been front and center forever. I mean, folks, you can trace this back to the 19, uh, gee, what, 1980s. In fact, Reagan negotiated with Democrats in Congress, and they came up with the plan. There was amnesty in exchange for securing the border. Of course, amnesty was uh, was granted, but guess what was never done? The border was never secured. Border was never secured. So this has been an issue, a hot issue, all the way back to, I mean, you could trace it. it I, in some ways, it never stopped from there. I mean, it, it picked back up in the early 2000s, and, you know, it's been a massive problem. It was a massive a uh, huge issue with with President Trump, or at the time candidate Trump, build that wall. It resonates with people because people have had enough of this, right? People have had enough of watching people come to this this country illegally, um, and and not only that, but to 
just abuse the system. And again, folks, as I've said on here countless times, I don't fault anybody for wanting to be here. This is where I'm actually consistent and the radical left is not. The radical left, the way they talk about this country, if, if it's actually true, no one should want to come here. The way the radical left portrays the country, how it was founded, what's wrong with it, why we need to you know, have critical race theory um, in, in classrooms, what DeSantis is doing to Florida, all the hyperventilating Musk bought Twitter. I mean, how could you come to a country <laughs> where things like that are allowed to happen? The way that the left hates, I'm talking about the radical left now, they hate the United States of America as founded. They hate the ideas. They blame America first for the world's, well, the world's ills. And the truth is, while America is not perfect, America is, the world is much better, is much better off for the United States of America. It is that shining city on a hill in spite of, in spite of the things that these jokers in government uh, try to do to change that, to undermine that, to actually make it a, a nation that has uh, extinguished her own light, as happened uh, when Obama went on his apology tour back in, what, 20, what was it, 2009, 2010? Um, just at different points in this this nation's history, we've had leaders who I, aren't proud to be Americans. People didn't like, people didn't like when a leader like Trump was in office. A lot of us did. Some people didn't when he said America first. Of course, a leader of any country should say their country first. Uh, a politician elected from any state should think they're representing their state, not at the expense of other states, but looking out for the interest of people in their districts and the people they represent. This is fundamentally basic stuff that people should widely understand and accept. But of course, if it doesn't fit the issues of the day or the political narrative, that's abandoned and uh, you know other nonsense is forced upon the American people. But this border, this border is a massive problem. And, you know, one of the things that I do hope to do, and I'm saying this with some hesitation because we've had, uh, I'm, I'm candidly, we're kind of building out and, and making plans and thinking through what's next. But I would like to, at some point, on our travels around the country, God willing, um, I would like to go down to the southern border. I'd like to go there with someone, I'd like to interview them. I'd like to see for myself what's going on and, and share that with you. I don't do these things regularly. There's not a lot of things like that I want to do, but I do think this issue is important enough to do that with, especially when we get reports like this before the U.S. Um, did I say Senate? It's the House. I, it's the House of Representatives. I mis- misspoke there. House of Representatives had a committee, um, or had had uh, Secretary Mayorkas testify about the southern border, and I want you to listen to a couple of responses, things that were, um, you know, brought up at this hearing, because it's absolutely ludicrous and and nonsensical what we're being subjected to. There have been, I mean, the the border for all intents and purposes has become open. You could certainly make that argument that it's become essentially an open border. And there is no doubt, there is no doubt at all that, look, there are people who are on the left or who are liberals who don't like the idea that, 
you know, we're not accepting enough people at the border. Now, we conservatives might think that's that's crazy and outlandish, but there are people that genuinely have that opinion. And we can have those discussions and debates. But I think any reasonable person would agree that the United States cannot take every single person into this country who wants to come in to the United States of America. That's simply not possible. right? We take in, what, roughly a million or so legal immigrants every year, legal, on top of the millions of illegal. We don't even really know. That's the thing. We don't know. There's estimates. We know that more people are being uh, detained. We more we know that more d- drugs are being detained. That, of course, is spun in the media as good news, but all that really means... <laughs> when, when more... When more people and drugs are being detained, that doesn't mean that we suddenly got better at detaining people. That means that there's a percentage of people that get through. And I don't know the percentages, but let's say we stop. Just I don't. This, I'm not suggesting this is even close. Just for simple math, let's say let's say we stop 20 percent. Let's say we stop 20 percent of the people, and we stop 20,000 people a month. Again, the numbers. I'm I'm just these. I'm just throwing these out for illustrative purposes here. So that means. 80,000 80, people got through if we're stopping on average 20,000 or 20%. If we got if we detained 20,000, then the math would tell us they probably were 80,000. Again, not real numbers, but just proportionally this it could be something like this. So if the next, you know, the next president uh, that comes along in this case Biden, if we're still detaining 20% of the people and suddenly we have 40,000 detain, uh, detentions along the southern border. It's not that we suddenly found a way to detain the 20,000 um, better, or, you know, especially when we didn't do, especially when we're not taking any more actions, unless there's a, an explanation, is my point, right? If there's more patrol, uh, you know, patrol personnel on the southern border, if we've done other things to secure the border, if there are other electronic monitoring uh, equipment and devices, if those things are there, then we can explain these things. Yeah, that's why that accounts for this much. But if there's no other changes, and we're actually doing, in some cases, less, if you detain 40,000 people, it's probably more likely, unless there's an explanation, that 200,000 came in, and you have to ask yourself where the 160 are, which, of course, we know the answer to that. But the idea that the border is secure is literal gibberish at this point. But that's not what Secretary Mayorkas told the House committee earlier this week. He, in fact, he was asked by Representative uh, Michael Guest, he was asked, are you testifying as you sit here today that the southwest border is secure? And I want you to hear this exchange. I want you to listen to this. This is, again, it's an election year. This is not, an open border is not a popular policy. Um, now, they can find things that that they that they can politically manipulate into their favor. You know, they can come up with phrases like kids in cages or separating families or you know, inhumane practices or those sorts of things. But the idea of an open border, the idea of all-out amnesty, these are not popular notions amongst Americans or amongst legal immigrants. In fact, legal immigrants get downright upset about this. They think, and rightfully so, they think we've been going through this problem reasonably, you know, we've been 
taking steps and going through the process, you know, years of waiting and whatever else, and doing it the right way. And these folks are coming in um, willy-nilly right now. And again, as I said earlier, I don't blame for folks for wanting to be here. Democrats should be concerned. The radical left should be consistent here and say, hey, we don't know why you're coming here because it's a terrible country, we think. (laughs) And we think you'd be better off staying anywhere but the United States of America. If they were consistent with their other beliefs, that's what they would say. I actually think we should be in the business of exporting those things that made the United States great, making sure that other countries understood what those were, freedom, liberty, free markets. But the problem is a lot of these folks that are represented, especially when they're uh, we have a Democrat administration, they hate, they don't like the fundamental principles of this country. They're not going to be out there promoting it, right? They're not, that's not the way it's going to work. And, apl- and of course, we're dealing with other corrupt regimes as well. But that's the real answer to this. It's not to bring everyone here to have an open border, especially when there are financial incentives that people can can access in this country, right? But the taxpayer can't cover the cost of all this stuff. That's ridiculous to even think. But anyway, Mayorka says that we've got a secure border. If you don't believe me, listen to this. And so my question to you, Mr. Secretary, are you testifying as you sit here today that the southwest border is secure? Yes, I am, and we um, are continuing to work to make it more secure. I bet you are. I bet you are. And the, what's sad is, what's sad is the main driving force, and I've got to take a break here, but the main driving force on this, an open border, is that the left thinks that it's politically advantageous. They think that by opening the border, they they think now that. <laughs> If you want to change the left's opinion of, of an open border, just let's continue to watch the Hispanic population turn more and more to Republicans. If they think that the open border policies are creating more Republican voters, they will they will be the biggest build that wall group that we've ever seen. They will probably be out there with shovels. They will probably be out there with, well, they don't know how to operate. They probably never held a shovel, the radical left. Don't even know what a callus on their hand is, but they, they'll they be out there. They'll be getting somebody out there to build that. They may suddenly even want to find a way to have Trump be the border czar if, in fact, if in fact they come to see that Hispanic illegal immigrants would actually vote more for Trump. This is what this is about, folks. This is about politics. This is about thinking that they have a political advantage for this. There absolutely are ways to secure the border. It doesn't mean that there will ever be zero. Of course, that's not the case. Just like there will never um, be zero cases of, say, the flu. Well, (laughs) in a sane world, there's not zero cases of the flu. There's not zero cases of of COVID. That's just not the way that that's going to work. Um. There's never going to be zero, but we that should be what we're trying to drive towards, right? We should be securing the border, however that, whatever makes sense. In places where a physical barrier would make sense, use that. In places where we need more patrol, let's do that. In places where electronic monitoring systems make sense, we can do that as well or a combination thereof. 
But the idea, think about this, the idea that the southern border is secure. Folks, I mean, dare I say it's misinformation. Misinformation, that's the way that we play the game today. Just cry misinformation. That is false. That is completely ridiculous. But yet, they want you to think that, especially since it is an election year. And I've got to take a time out. You're listening here to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So... He didn't just try to tell us, Secretary Mayorkas, that the southern border was secured, which, of course, is completely absurd and and ridiculous. What are we getting here? Some some background. So um, he also um, he also wants us to believe that this problem that this problem that exists is, of course, um, just not that big of a deal. He's got it under control. There's really nothing to be concerned about. And not just him, but other Democrats on this on this uh, committee, they want you to believe that they inherited something. They inherited something that was broken, which, of course, <laughs> points to the previous administration. The left loves this, by the way. The left did this the entire time that uh, President Obama was in office. The left did this the entire time that, uh, well, anytime, anytime that they have some, they've done it with Biden as well. Um, Bush was blamed for everything that happened in Obama's, I mean, literally, the whole, both of his terms, no one ever blamed, ever, at any point. Well, people objected. I'm talking about people in the media um, and people that talked about politics and so forth. They were never blamed. They never blamed Obama. They never blamed him for what he did. In fact, after the 2012 or during the 2012 elections, the... Exit polling showed that a large number of Americans actually um, actually had blamed, still were blaming after four years, President Bush. Which is why, if you listen to the show back when Trump was president and Trump's policies turned the economy around, I I said on this quote, a program quite brilliantly, by the way, I said. Uh, Obama, when he started taking credit for the economy after Trump took control, I said, little did we know, little did we know that Obama's brilliance was so profound that it took eight years and a subsequent president, the next president, to come in and actually do the polar opposite of what he was doing before we felt the effects of his economic policies. That's what they want us to believe, right? Because... When their ideas are actually implemented into American politics, people suffer. Folks, that is exactly what's happening today. People suffer. People suffer um, along with, with open borders and the mess we have there. People suffer with inflation, high prices for everything. People suffer who were in Afghanistan 
People suffer for all sorts of reasons, all sorts of reasons. And of course, everything that happens in the world is not the fault of the party in power. That's that's not what I'm saying. But there are certainly instances when you can, using logic and reason, can actually say, look, let's deduce why we got to this point. You know, why are we having problem with the border? I'm having trouble queuing this soundbite up. I'm having some connectivity issues or something here. Uh, but I have a soundbite that I'm going to try to get to after the break. I think I can do it. I may just have to do it another way. But basically, they blame the previous administration for having a, a – well, for having, I guess, created the, creating this mess. That's what they want us to believe. It's someone else's fault. It's institutional or it's the previous administration. It can't be Biden's fault. But, folks, we're not stupid, right? These problems are markedly worse than they were when Trump was president. And Mayorkas even admits that during this line of questioning. I forget who actually asked this particular question because I can't pull this up at the moment because I'm having trouble. Having trouble here with my computer. So. All that being said, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to try to find another way to pull this up and play this soundbite because I want you to hear it. It's not their fault. It never is their fault. What they want you to believe is that they care so much and the power of their caring is so profound that it doesn't matter the consequence of their policies. All that matters is how much they care and how much they can virtue signal and how much they can, for example, in the case of Twitter employees, which we talked about earlier this week, the more dramatic they can be, the more they can stomp their foot and cross their arms and cover their ears and yell at the universe, the more that thinks the more some of these crazy people think that that makes them look, you know, so disturbed by someone not doing what they think is right or what is appropriate to virtue signal for at the moment that this is the game that's played. But people have have been awakened to this stuff. People are no longer, people are not in the same percentages falling for this silly, nonsense, uh, narcissistic sort of behavior, the dramacrat uh, political theater we've been subjected to for, well, forever. It's becoming less and less powerful. Um, but they still do it, and the media is going to try to help them. But they blame someone else, blame and deflect anybody but them. They can't be responsible for anything. And the problem is more and more people are aware of just how big of, well, how, just how much misinformation that really is. So that being said, quick timeouts in order to come back and I'm going to try to play the soundbite. So here we go. Take a quick break back in just a minute. Friends, I want to play the soundbite really quickly. Finally got our system back up and running here. This is Representative Daryl Issa, Republican from California, asking Senator Mayorkas. Again, this was um, – actually, this one might have been yesterday. Um, asking him about the immigration system because, again, Mayorkas has basically said this is – they've inherited this. And so Issa asks an interesting question, which effectively is – were there less were, were there less illegal immigrants crossing the border when you inherited it? 
If so, and you made it worse, um, doesn't that imply that maybe, um, maybe you're part of the problem? Just listen to this exchange. Want, if, if possible, the yes or no. When you said you inherited a broken system, was the system you say that was broken, did it represent less people coming over the border legally, illegally, and being admitted than today? <clears throat> yes or no? Yes. Uh, yes, yes. So there were a lot less coming over. The number of encounters um, has increased. The number of encounters has increased, but you've inherited a broken system, so you made it worse. Well, no, not exactly. No, we can't accept fault and blame here. This has to be Trump's fault. This has to be institutional. This can't be. This can't be the fault of the administration. Of course, we all know that it is. Again, this is this. <sighs> strategically is intentional. I, I just, it, you know, they make this about, uh, they want they want to talk about the emotional side of this. And it's, you know, my heart does go out. I, I, I think sometimes conservatives would be better off acknowledging that, you know, just the human aspect of this. To, for people to be so desperate to travel um, and to risk their lives and their families, uh, children, um some really bad things that that happen along the way. People are desperate. It doesn't just, I'm not just, please do not misunderstand. I'm not justifying it. That's not at all what I'm saying. I understand why people want to come here. I do. Um, But I also understand, I also understand that there are people who are politically manipulating this situation, these circumstances, for personal reasons, for political reasons. This stuff has to be stopped. Of course, Republicans have no power to stop this. And I'll be honest, a little part of me, when I watch all these exchanges, um, you know, it's an election year for Republicans too. And I think, you know, there, there is some political grandstanding and, and it's it's a little bit easier when you're the party that's not in power to pick and, you know, to pick away, which again, I'm not, don't misunderstand. The Biden administration has been an absolute disaster. It's a dumpster fire. I've made that, I've made that clear. But my point is, how many of these Republicans, if they do win the House, if they do win the Senate, if they do win the White House in 2024, are they going to be pushing for actual substantive policy changes? Are they going to be in favor of securing the border with a wall where it needs a wall or other another physical barrier with other technology, with other resources? Are they going to do that, or is this just – and I'm not suggesting this is the case with – Congressman Issa, but there's a lot of people to ask this question to. It's not just something they should be fundraising on. It's not just something they should be uh, talking about to get a, you know, uh, volunteers out or to get votes in the primary or in the upcoming election. We need substantive change. And the, the system is broken. The system is broken, but the question is, why is it broken? Why is it broken? And, and, a big chunk of this, neither party really wants to address it. Trump did, by the way. Trump did want to address it, um, and Trump was addressing it. But, of course, a lot of Republicans, well, more than some, kind of went along kicking and screaming. Folks, They've we've had plenty of chances to do the right thing here. This is just politically not, at least in the minds of some of these folks, not popular. It just it isn't. Even if it... Even if it is electorally, um, there's some Republicans that like the inexpensive labor. That's just the truth of the matter. So 
Anyway, um, but to suggest that this is something that happened from the previous from Trump's administration, um, the problem lies squarely with the radical left running this nation today, which includes the White House and House Democrats and House senators. Republicans have kicked this ball, this can down the road as well. Um, so when I hear these questions, I think that's great. But let's actually, God willing, let's win the you know the midterm election. And let's regain control of government. And let's actually fix this the right way. Let's fix this the right way. Let's see this through. I've got to take a time out, my friends. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Let's shift gears in the time we have remaining here. I find this interesting here. Um... Well, I was gonna. There's a couple things I wanted to get to, but let's let's. What I want to talk about is this Harvard poll. Harvard poll found. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Harvard poll. This is uh, what is this? I found this. I don't know if this was on Bongino, or I get uh, I get headlines from Bo Snurdly too. This is Independent Women's Voice. I don't know. I, IWV.org. Headline, shocking Harvard poll. 67% of Americans say Biden should be impeached if Hunter Biden corruption proves true. That is remarkable, in a sense. Um, it's good news. Because, by the way, if this story, take names out of it for a moment. I know that's hard to do. Right, we there when when people see the corruption of individuals, it's it's so we become so laser focused on that, and we should be. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but let's just remove names for a moment. Whoever, if if what is alleged to have happened on Hunter Biden's laptop, if that is actually true, um, some of the things that people have suggested, even things that we've explored and talked about on this program. Then it doesn't matter who it is. This number should actually be a hundred percent. Of course, we'll never get to a hundred percent. But if there is evidence, legitimate evidence, that a president of the United States or any elected official—he was uh, President Biden at the time was vice president when a lot of this happened—or was between actually some of this stuff. I don't know if some of it went back possibly to to the Senate. Um, I don't think it went back that far. But you can certainly find things that were problematic with some of the behavior there as well. But Hunter Biden was, it appears from the evidence of the what we found on this laptop, that he was using his father's position to personally enrich himself. And that, you know, it's remarkable. People were so upset that President Trump had businesses when he was president, legitimate businesses, businesses that had been operating long before he ran for any political office, what, long before he even seriously entertained the notion. Um, people citing the emoluments clause and how dangerous this was. That is not what the real danger is here. It could be a danger if someone is, you know, using political favors to drive business to themselves and so forth. But there has to be evidence of that. There's evidence that this happened with Hunter Biden and, in particular, his father, Joe Biden. 
But to find that 67% of Americans say that Biden should be impeached, he should be impeached if Hunter Biden corruption proves true. That's actually quite good news for me. Um, to think that that's that that's people are that that's people who are saying, look, this should happen because we cannot have this happening um, in in politics. I'm I'm also at the same time a little bit concerned of the 33 percent. Which you know, there's lots of reasons for that. They might, they may not know. I don't know with how this polling was actually the phrasing of the question. I don't know if that's even in this, but um, maybe people still don't understand what's on the laptop. I again, I've heard people say, "Well, I want to see what's on Donald Trump Jr.'s cell phone. I want to see this person's text messages." That's not what happened here. I mean. He left, you know the story, he left the, the computer, actually three of them. Two of them were un, uh, unrecoverable. So who knows what Who knows what were on the other two? Who knows what were on those? Um, the information that was taken from the third is absolutely damning. And it was, it's now, it was the property of the computer repair shop because Hunter Biden never even came back. Just think about that. How flippant does this guy have to be to just leave his computer knowing what's on there, or maybe he didn't know. I don't I don't know. But to leave that there, jeopardizing the whole entire system. Now, anybody who wants to see what they were doing or what they potentially were doing can read the book by Miranda Devine, which is called Laptop from Hell. You can see it for yourself. It is appalling. It's worse. It, I, I read the book or listened to the book. It's worse than I thought it was, and I thought it was damning just from what I'd heard before reading the book. 67% of Americans say Biden should be impeached. This, again, if Republicans win, if this is investigated, who knows where this leads? I'm not, there's a fine line between political retribution. That is deplorable. That is a terrible strategy. That's not the right path to take. But at the same time, at the same time, we have to hold people politically accountable. And if this stuff is true, if this is, stuff is true, count me amongst the 67% of Americans that would be in favor of Biden being both impeached and removed from office. Not because I politically don't like him, but because this is absolutely reprehensible and cannot happen. And there's a lot of evidence to say that maybe maybe it did. So just wanted to share that here. Quick time out back in just a minute. <laughs> My friends, all of the time that we have for this week. And, of course, there's stuff we didn't get to. We didn't update you on... Well, actually, I heard Biden um, the morning, which I guess would have been yesterday morning. The morning after... Or the morning that the government announced that inflation... Or, excuse me, uh, the economy contracted at... 1.4%, so a negative growth in the first quarter. Biden was out there just a couple of hours later, I think about three hours later, talking about just how much people didn't really grasp the growth of the economy, just how robust this uh, Biden economy is. And, And folks, the wheels are completely off of this mess. The wheels have come off this disastrous Biden administration. But again, Again, we have a campaign coming up. 
We have to get people to the polls. We have to convince people to vote for Republicans, to vote out this silly nonsense, and of course in 2024 to hopefully take the White House as well. Can take nothing for granted. Absolutely nothing for granted. We actually have to see through an electoral victory, and I've got to go. Folks, have a great weekend. We will see you Monday, SDG. Hey, 